Hi, my name is James, and I'm one of the, the pastors here, and it's wonderful to be able to see you guys here. Um, it is a, a joy to be able to be with you. And things are going to be a little bit different today, and I'm excited for what God has in store for that. Um, but also, it's great to see who the homebodies are in our midst. Um, obviously, like many like me found themselves sleeping, but we actually got to see it because for some reason, it seems that there is more activity in January 1st than on July 4th at least around our house. This is all, again, we just moved back here. This is all new for us. And we were woken up and couldn't sleep. So we thought, why not put on what seems to be the Seattle thing to do and watch the Space Needle light up? Not with CGI this time. And that was pretty sweet. So thank you for joining us online or in person. Uh, today, we're going to have a sweet opportunity to hear from some other people as well. And so I just want to open us up our passage that we're in as we jump back into our series on Ephesians. As we're looking at uh, coming into chapter four, uh, though today we'll be starting in verse 11. I want to read that passage for us today. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, so often when we read this passage, if you've read it before, the focus is upon the fourfold or the fivefold, depending on how you translate it, uh, ministry of the gospel, and it's upon leadership, and it can go some kind of funky places sometimes when we look at this passage, and sometimes we can complete, completely leave the intention of what Paul is even trying to get across. I don't know of any reputable scholar of anyone I've read that, that uses this to say that Paul is trying to define the offices of ministry and that that's where we should get this understanding from. It can, it, that's kind of like getting a gold medal and missing the point as you come to this passage. And as we're going to see over the next few weeks, this passage is not written so we can figure out what apostles are, or what evangelists are, or prophets, or any of the unique roles of a pastor. And it's definitely not written so people can try to pick out which one they are or which one they want to be. And God forbid we use it for some kind of hierarchical pecking order of figuring out who these offices are and what they do and, and how they have power over one another. Instead, as we look at this passage, we see that what Paul is communicating is that all of these leaders, all of these roles in the church who have titles that have significant influence in the, in, in the church, he says they all have the same job. It's not about seeing what is the uniqueness, but showing that they actually all have the same job, according to Paul here. And what is their job? Verse 12, it's very clear. It says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. The Greek word there for work is simply ministry, that it's the job of the body to do the ministry and to do what? It says specifically to build up the body of Christ. That is what they are called to do. And so therefore Paul is saying it's the job of these leadership roles or whoever these may be to equip the body so the body can do the ministry and specifically for the body to build up the body. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. And specifically, again, the body builds up the body, and that's just awesome. That's what the emphasis of this passage is. Not to try and bring glory to any of the roles of leadership, but to emphasize the role of the body. And, and Dr. Kent Hughes in his commentary on Ephesians puts it this way. He says, this is a watershed text for the doctrine of the church. It effectively eliminates the traditional model of the church as a pyramid with the pastor perched precariously on its pinnacle, like a little pope in his own church while the laity are arrayed beneath him in serried ranks of inferiority. It also shoots down the model of the pastor, of, sorry, the model of a bus in which the pastor does all the driving while the congregation or the passengers slumbering in a peaceful security behind him. The biblical model is the body of Christ in which those in pastoral roles prepare God's people for works of ministry. 
Kent Hughes says, this is why I share the pulpit with my colleagues. It's while I am the senior pastor, I do not regard myself as the pastor and my associates as lesser ministers. Now, I love that. This passage destroys the idea of the church as a pyramid with a pastor on top who holds all authority and, and does all the work and being looked at as being the all, uh, the all in all that does everything. It destroys the idea of celebrity pastors. It destroys the idea of laity, of there being leaders and then other people who kind of sit back and, and enjoy or spectators. Or viewing involvement in church as simply being that, of being just an audience or spectators. And therefore, since this passage is about the body building up the body, today and for the entire service, we're going to have the body involved. And that's why you saw our youth was being able to do that. Wasn't that awesome to even see Braden up there? Dude, that was awesome. Thank you so much for jumping in. I don't know the last time we had a middle schooler leading worship. That was fantastic. Um, and the rest of the team. And so, therefore, I've asked three members of our body to actually come and bring, uh, to share their perspective on how they understand this passage of the body building up the body. So this morning, we're going to start with Micah. Please come up and uh, look forward to hearing what you guys have to share. Testing, we good to go? All right. Hello, my name is Micah, as James said. Uh, I'm so excited to be up here with you guys. Um, I am uh, part of the Young Adults Ministry here at Northview, as well as I am Steve's son-in-law. So uh, hopefully I have some of his speaking abilities and can talk a little slow like him. So... Uh, but excited to jump in and share a little bit about Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. Um, ministry belongs to the body. It belongs to you and me, the followers of Jesus. Looking over these verses, it's evident to me that we as believers are placed in a position to serve in ministry. Ministry is not solely for those who pursue a full-time uh, profession or their job, as, such as a pastor, missionary, so on. But for each Christian, we are to be involved in the work of ministry in our daily lives. Understanding this is valuable, as so many of us live today uh, as on the sidelines. We, we want to jump in the back of the bus, like James says, and leave it to the professionals. We want the pastors to do the ministering. We want uh, who the people we think more mature to share, uh, to talk, to evangelize. We'll see someone new show up at church and think, oh, we'll leave it to the church staff or the greet team to welcome them. They'll, they'll have plenty of people. We don't do it ourselves. A neighbor may show interest in faith, and we think, oh, yeah, I better introduce them to my pastor. They'll, they'll know exactly what to say, rather than simply ministering to them ourselves. A friend's mom will pass away, and we send it to the church prayer request box so that the more spiritually equipped can pray for them, rather than simply praying with them ourselves. These seemingly insignificant moments are actually the very opportunities to do the works of ministry that we are being prepared for here at church. Looking at verse 11, uh, again, so Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and then into 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The pastors and teachers' ministry, their ministry here at church is to equip us, to train us, to prepare us, to move forward into doing our ministry. Uh, it talks about uh, the saints, equipping the saints. The saints in this verse are those that are pursuing and following Jesus, those that are Christians today. Other translations often refers to pastors as shepherds. Shepherds often are known to direct and guide their flock. Uh, and so with looking at shepherds today, the shepherds of the church are there directing us to have a deeper relationship and knowledge of the Son of God. We look back at verse 13, it talks about until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. The more we begin to understand Jesus, the more we can live out a life like Jesus. And that's what we're being prepared for here. 
So with that, uh, it's important to know that while the professionals, we would say, the pastors of faith and in our communities, they can help prepare us for those moments of ministry, but they cannot do them for us. They are not at our workplaces. They are not in those meetings. They are not at our schools. They are not in our classrooms. Most importantly, they're not in our homes. That is where we have to do ministry. So one reason why we as Christians tend to view ministries belonging to the pastors uh, is simply because we see it as, oh, they're preaching on stage or other public ministry. We see that as real, real ministries happening. They are doing God's work. We can often tell that the disciples felt the same way. They were questioning Jesus when Jesus told them to go and do the same. They would say, well, what, what does that look like? Uh, and not until after uh, when Jesus left did they really begin to do the things that Jesus called them to do, to be the light of the earth. I know I feel inadequate often, and we may also feel inadequate when we compare ourselves to those we admire and respect or, or those we see as more mature in our faith. But the work of the kingdom is done best from the bottom up, not the top down. This is perfectly modeled by Jesus' life and ministry. Mark ten forty five says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Looking back at verse 12, the Greek word translated as service, uh, it says to equip people for his works of service, is diakonia. Diakonia uh, translates in the NIV often as ministry. So not just service, but ministry. So for example, Paul says he takes pride in his ministry or pride in his diakonia, Romans eleven thirteen. The people of God in Ephesians are to be equipped not just for the works of service, but for the works of ministry. That's us. All of us are his ministers as set apart people by God to serve him and people in both the church and the world. So in here in the church, as here as the body, as well as into the world we go into. This verse reveals that all of God's people participate in that ministry. This means that our calling is not to leave ministry to those in leadership, but to lead in our own circles and spheres of influence. So what does it look like to live a life of ministry? Uh, what is Jesus calling us to uh, we can read the Bible, we look at what Jesus has done, and there's lots of examples. Uh, some of the ones I'm going to take are from deeper into Ephesians, uh, and Paul refers to some of the works of ministry or works of service. Uh, putting away slander, falsehood, white lies, speaking truth from a heart of love, Ephesians 4.25. Work hard at our jobs, Ephesians 6.5-8. through 8. Put to death stinginess and share what we have with others, Ephesians 4.28. Refrain from profanity and other corrupting talk. Ephesians 5, 4. Treat employees equitably and justly. Ephesians 6, 9. Be kind and forgiving to one another. Ephesians 4, 32. Loving our spouses. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And raising our children in a way that honors the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4. Many examples there. Many great opportunities for us to live out our life of ministry, our life of diakonia. So uh, here at Northview, I am part of a young adults ministry, uh, my wife and I, and like I said earlier, uh, and through the relationships I have formed there, I've been able to see firsthand what it looks like for the body to live out these small moments of ministry as well as to be built up by one another. A good example of this is when I was spending time with one of my good friends, Jude. In our community group, we often uh, have a lot of different conversations, and we talk a lot, of, a lot about different things, uh, but he expressed this one time, the value of how important our words are as followers of Jesus to build up, not to tear down. He pointed out that often the things Christians, specifically Christian men, will say or joke about, particularly amongst or to their friends, isn't serving one another or reflecting the God we love and follow, rather tearing each other down. He challenged us to use our words to build up more than we tore down, 
which was a pivotal moment in our friend group in the way we interacted with one another and has helped encourage our growth individually and communally to be more like Jesus. This is just one small example of my life that has helped me grow and shape my daily ministry and shows the value of the body, such as my friend Jude, building each other up, building one another up to be more like Jesus. Building up the body can look like many different things, but it often is focused on first loving God and then loving others. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. A quote from Sam Amendi says, Consider, for instance, the well-known one another passages. Service doesn't belong exclusively to deacons. Members are also to serve one another, Galatians 5.13. Pastors aren't the only ones who teach. Members also instruct one another, Romans 15.14. The church music leader isn't the only one blessing us with musical praise. Uh, members also sing to one another, Colossians 3.12-16. Certified counselors aren't the only ones to help us through life's problems. Members, body, are also to encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Even during our corporate gatherings, a time many Christians view as focused exclusively on the leadership's ministry, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 10.24 emphasizes the role members play in serving and encouraging one another. When we pursue a life of ministry and, and, or a life of service, a life of diakonia, rather than observing ministry from afar, staying on the sidelines, we are living out our purpose as believers. It's not for all of us to preach on stage or teach congregations, uh, for sure, but it is, all for all, it is for all of us to serve, invest, sacrifice, love others. Therefore, a big part of what my thoughts are today and encouragement is to put yourself within your communities uh, in a position, uh, maybe it's your small group, your, your church community, your work, wherever it may be, where you can actually live out this life of ministry or service Jesus has called us to. You may not have it all together, I know I don't, uh, but step by step, together, alongside with other believers, you can impact those around you and equally be impacted as we strive towards unity and maturity of our faith together. Thank you. Good morning. Y'all awake? My neighbors decided to light fireworks off from about 10 o'clock at night till about 1 o'clock in the morning, so... My name is Tony. For those of you who don't know, I work supporting, hopefully, the youth group uh, and the youth there. And I've been going to this church about 12 years, but typically I wind up with a teenager, so you may not see me. As we were talking about this, I was thinking about what I was going to say. And I didn't grow up probably what I would think of as normal. I grew up in more Pentecostal background, so I've got, like, family that from the South that likes to walk on pews, and they like to, I mean, pretty much roll in the aisles, right? So my view is a little bit different. What I have seen is I have seen a lot of teachers and pastors that have done a really good job, but I've also seen a lot of misuse of these gifts. It's kind of strange when people are supposed to be supporting the church and they start to do it on their own. I'm a pastor's kid, my dad was a pastor, my grandparents were pastors, um, aunts and uncles, they all go back. And so, like I said, a little bit different view. And I feel like I've seen pretty much all you can see in a church, good and bad. These experiences have changed the way 
I view ministry and the way those things are. I have seen where men seek these gifts for their own personal recognition and power. And we see an example of that in Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 20, where there was another Simon who saw the apostles going around laying hands on people and imbuing them with the Holy Spirit and healing. And he thought that was great. He had been a magician. He had been following the apostles around for a while. And he offered to buy this gift with money. He wanted it for his own glory, not for God's glory. He didn't want it to build up the church, but to build up himself. I have seen men who call themselves pastors, which we heard is another word for shepherd, who protects his flock, and they use that title to fleece their flock. I have personally seen men who use the title of pastor and have destroyed ministries and lives. These types do not build up the body. They destroy it. And I've also seen those who are true pastors. We have been blessed here to have a great pastoral staff. We have been blessed with shepherds of the flock who have watched over the flock and grown it and protected it. Because real shepherds protect the flock from the wolves and the bears, false doctrines, foolishness. They make sure that it's trained up in the correct way. I've seen a lot of lies wrapped around pastors who and teachers who have tried to use it for their own good. They've taken a little bit of truth, wrapped a bunch of lies around it to, meet, to lead people astray. So what is the fundamental difference between someone who uses these gifts for the glory of God and someone who uses it for themselves? Well, as I was praying about this, I kept thinking of one, ver- one chapter. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. And if you spend any time in a Christian bookstore, which I know is kind of hard to find nowadays after all this COVID and everything, they've, a lot of them shut down. But if you spend any time and you walk around, look at the plaques on the wall, invariably you are going to find one of the plaques that has this on there. You'll get a card that has it on there, posters. When I was a kid, we had a poster on the wall that had 1 Corinthians 1.13 on there. This is the chapter on love. And like it says in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 and 2. If I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. In the 70s, there was a TV show called The Gong Show. It's kind of like the old school version of American Idol where people would come on and they'd do their little talent, so to speak. And we had, they had jugglers, they had guys doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And if the judges did not like them, they would stand up with this great big mallet and clang this gong, and it was annoying. And for the person on stage, it was shocking. We don't want to be that clanging gong. We don't want to be a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal that means nothing. Love to anything is the key. If you first love God with all your heart, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. We can utilize the gifts God has given us, whatever he chooses to give us, to grow his body, and we won't steal those gifts for our own purposes to use them only for, we'll use them only for his glory and his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 13 at verse 8 says, All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come, on, come to an end, but love goes on forever. Someday prophecy and speaking in an unknown language and special knowledge, the gifts will disappear. 
Now we know so little, even with our special gifts, and the preaching of those most gifted is still so poor. But when we have been made perfect and complete, then the need for these inadequate special gifts will come to an end, and they will disappear. It's like this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child does. But when I became a man, my thoughts grew far beyond those of my childhood, and now I have put away childish things. Without love, everything is worthless. Without love, we don't grow and mature into the person God wants us to be. And without love, all these other gifts God gives us won't develop the church as God desires and bring us to maturity in Him. Verse 12 tells us, For equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. What does it mean to equip the saints? Now, since I work with teenagers, I always try to come up with examples to make it more understandable to them when we're trying to break down spiritual ideas. And I thought this one thing up when I was sitting here, so if it goes a little below your your uh, range. Forgive me. But I had this idea. Let's say one day I decided to climb Mount Everest. And if you know me, this is the craziest idea that will never happen, not even close. But if I'm going to climb Mount Everest, I'm going to need special tools and warm clothes. I'm going to need food. I'm going to need a lot of oxygen tanks. But that's not going to be enough because at best, I'm going to turn around and come back down the mountain. And at worst, I'm just going to die up there and become an ice cube. So I would also need someone to train me physically and mentally and emotionally so I could make that trek up that mountain. I'm going to need a Sherpa or Sherpas. Well, let's be honest. The Sherpas are there to carry me up the mountain because I'm not walking. My Sherpas would need to make sure that I don't fall into some giant crevasse, that I don't wander off the trail, and I don't know it annoy any big yetis that might decide to just toss me off the mountain. I have this talent. Don't worry. Let's say I do actually make it, which would be a miracle. And let's say I do it a couple of times. And let's say I get good at it. Then I could turn around and I could equip somebody else. I could make sure they had the right tools. I could make sure they had the right abilities. They were trained physically and mentally and emotionally so they could make it up the mountain. That's what it is to equip. You make sure they have the correct tools to make it to your goal. And our goal to be equipped as saints is to be able to raise up other people. God gives these gifts so we can be trained and matured. The body of the church understands what the intention is to then take on the gifts. Not everyone is going to be an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, or a teacher. I do believe we can all be evangelists. Not necessarily like my Uncle Danny who traveled around in a bus, took his family all over the the South. He had tent meetings. You know, he stood on pews, like I said. Or like my grandfather who was a pastor and got so overcome by the Spirit, he left the middle of the service, ran out the side door, down into the town center, stood up on a fountain and started preaching. And the church was like, all right, let's just follow him down there. I have a weird family. You know who I won't forget? The teachers when I was a kid, the Sunday school teachers. And they pulled out the flannel board. For those of you who remember those, for you young guys, it's what we had before iPads. You had a flannel board, you put these little characters up there, and they told us Bible stories. They taught us about Jesus. We as the body must be equipped for ministry so we can be pastors, teachers, evangelists, and even prophets 
whatever God calls us to be. My mom and her house, as you would walk out her front door to go, when I would go home or whatever, she had put a little sign above her door that says, you are now entering the mission field. You don't have to be an evangelist who travels around. You don't have to be someone who's got total great skill. You can be an evangelist in your own world. You can be an evangelist to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to the people you come in contact every day. Honestly, I've had more than one experience standing in a checkout line, and somebody just starts telling me their problems. I had one lady who just stood there, and we hadn't even said anything to each other, and she says, well, I just got divorced. And I was like, okay. And I started to say, do you go to a church somewhere? And I got a chance to talk to her until the guy behind me got impatient. He wanted to get going through the line. In Matthew 9, 36 through 38, it says this. And what pity he felt for the crowds that came, this is Jesus, because their problems were so great and they didn't know what to do or where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is so great and the workers are so few, he told his disciples. So pray to the one in charge of the harvest and ask him to recruit more workers for his harvest field. So when we look at this verses, the real point of it is we have people who have been given these gifts and they are training the body. And then the body is supposed to take those gifts and turn around and train others. And that is how it works. You replicate yourself. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. For those that don't know me, I'm Sonia Basom, my husband Brady and I and our kids. We came to Northview over 21 years ago and our lives have never been the same. Northview is where we encountered God through this body. We gave our life to Christ, we were baptized here, God is good, and we are so thankful that he brought us through these doors to this body so many years ago. Okay, not these doors, but you know what I mean. When James first approached me about speaking today, my reaction, it was an instant yes. In fact, I think I surprised James a bit, and who very kindly encouraged me to pray and just take some time to, to, before I answered. I didn't tell James at the time, but the reason I said yes so quickly has everything to do with what we are here to talk about today, building up the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. The song, King of Kings, we sang it at Christmas, has a really powerful line in the third verse in the morning that he rose, talks about the church of Christ was born and the spirit lit the flame, and it gets me every time, and I think of this body every time. 
all the faces here at Northview who've loved on me over the years and encouraged me over the years. About six years ago, God was very direct in speaking to me about spending more time in his word. The message came through, and it was urgent. I felt it. It was urgent. He told me I needed to know him more. Now, to give you some context, I wasn't all dry bones. I came to church. I did Bible study. I served here in the church. I got up most mornings with some light devotion. But God was like, nope, you need to go deeper. And let me tell you, he made a path and a plan to make this happen. Hallelujah. God perfectly choreographed Inger Lee supporter into my life who challenged me to get my patootie out of bed every morning and to get going. And not just to read. She challenged me to journal. And then she had me share my notes with her. Uh, and we shared our notes with each other. Uh, because of my work schedule and because I just don't wake up, you know, this beautiful on my own, that meant getting up at 4.30 in the morning. And I'm pretty sure that's before her chickens even got up. And I've never been a good sleeper. In fact, I think it's usually in the early morning hours that I finally get to sleep. But I did it. I couldn't say no to God, and I couldn't let down my friend Lisa. What started out as reluctant obedience turned very quickly into this beautiful treasure and a foundation of a deeper relationship with a good and faithful God. Steve, you said best friend, and that's what I think about when I wake up and I get to have my time with the Lord. It was a win-win. I started going to bed earlier and waking up every day with my best friend. Now let's just pause for a moment and inspect this together. God called me to a deeper place, and he knew I couldn't get there without help. So he provided help from the body. God put in my path a teacher, an encourager, who was gifted with the ability to turn this into an exercise that both he and she knew would yield a better crop. That is a true and personal example of how God equips the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. God equipped and served up a teacher, a mature woman of God, to challenge me, encourage me, push me, to give up a sleep for time with our God. She more than answered the call to build up the body, to help another sister more fully mature in Christ. And it doesn't end there. God went further. He loves us all so much. He wants us closer to him, knowing him, following him. What was once two, I think, grew to four, then six to eight. We have 27 ladies joining in every morning, reading the word together, God is growing and equipping the body to mature us in our faith and understanding, to foster a real relationship with him, and to be with each other, encouraging each other. I have the privilege and pure joy to participate in Bible study second service for many years, where this scripture, this topic, this ask of Jesus comes up over and over again. And guess what? We're doing Galatians right now, and day three of this week was Ephesians 11 through 14. And I know, I know God was waiting for me to turn the page of my Bible study page and just to look like, oh, she's going to know it's this verse, it's this verse. It's amazing. It's almost as if he wants us to know this. He wants us to do something with it. And in this group, this, this, serve, this Bible study and second service, God builds upon it. He builds upon it with Isaiah 6, 8. And if you pass by our room, or better yet, if you join us, 
you're going to hear and, and be a part of this group and hear this chorus, chorus of encouragement. Here we are, Lord, send us, because we have read this verse so many times together, as well as the Gospels, where Jesus asks us to deny ourselves and follow him. When I reflected on the ask to speak today, on building up the body in these verses, it was such a beautiful parallel to what God is actively doing in this body, equipping us. God revealing us to deny ourselves and follow him. Go and do as he asks. Be ready for when he calls you. Yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. You want me to talk about building the body? Yes, I will. I will shall te- Sorry, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I will share testimony of your work in the body here at Northview, for you be the glory. You want us to care for each other in this group when we have a need? Yes, Lord, we will. You want us to come together and care for others in the community? Yes, Lord, we will. May his faithfulness continue. We are the body, and God is so good. He is so faithful to the body. He will help bring this to life. We are to suit up, to show up, keep our eyes on him, and encouraging each other to keep our eyes and hearts on him our faithful and powerful God, and do as he asks. So this scripture, this task, this is for all of us. Brady and I were a part of a a dinner group uh, with the Bakers, Collins, and Smiths. We like to say we're the 98087 community group. That's our zip code, like 980. Well, what was that show? What was that show, Beverly Hills? 90210. We are Mill Creek 98087. Okay, nobody calls us that. Uh, We used to say we came together because of our proximity to each other and our love for God. But let's just face it, God choreographed this group to encourage each other. This part of our community group really lines up with the scripture uh, to help each other from being tossed to and fro by the waves. Let's face it, life is hard. We have trials. This group, we get real, personal. We share our weaknesses, our sin battles. And we pray. We pray together. We pray for each other when we're not together. And on many occasions, there are tears where we cry out to God together as a body to our God. When the waves get tossed to and fro, we pray. We encourage each other. We meme each other in text. And we love on each other. Life in the body is here for all of us. We can grasp it. We can experience it together. If you're sitting here today and you are not yet connected to other parts of the body here, whether it's dinner groups, Bible study, cornhole here on Monday nights, reach out to Brady, uh, turn to anyone here. You can contact Lisa or I for morning study. Uh, You can go to our community page, our connect page. We had the QR code earlier today, or you can go to envy.org. Sign up and join a group. We are not meant to live life alone by design. God tells us in Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 that he has equipped up for this, equipped us for this, and he has given us a job to do. Are we going to tell him yes, or are we going to tell him no? Okay, I know it's January 1st, and last night was New Year's Eve, but are we going to tell him yes, or are we going to tell him no? That's a call to action. If you said yes, amen. If you said nothing, or if you said no, uh, I pray that it's just sarcasm, and I want to you to know that I'm also knitted together with a little bit of sarcasm, so I appreciate that. But I do encourage you to take up this call. Get connected. If you are part of one community group, you just don't have to limit it to one. I try to weasel myself in anywhere possible just to be around the body, um, and I praise God for that. God is good. He is faithful. 
He literally equips us for this. Go in Christ, be the salt and light to each other. The flame that the Holy Spirit lit when the church of Christ, when the church of Christ was born and the Spirit lit the flame, keep it going, fan the flame. Join the wave like the old kingdom days. When the Spirit comes around to you and he gives you a task that you are equipped for, I want you to stand up, hands held high, and say, here I am, Lord, send me and love each other in the body as God asks us to. And thank you others that shared. That's uh, such beautiful words. And I don't know if you know how difficult it is to get up in front of a group of your peers and other people and be able to do that. And just fantastic. Thank you. And I hope you heard a, th- a common thread there. I mean, each person being able to share, in many ways, the same message that it's our job is to build up the body. It's not someone else's job. It's not the pastoral staff. It's not other people. But it's the, the, the job of the body to build up the body. And, and that's a central part of our ministry. And we are all called to be ministers. That's not just something for, for paid staff, it's not just something for the professionals, it's something for all of us, that we are all ministers, whether we see ourselves that way or not. And that doesn't mean just volunteering in kids' ministry or volunteering in different roles in the greet team or in, in, in uh, janitorial team or, or some other ways, though those are one particular way that can be done, but it's specifically to come alongside people to build up the body, to help disciple one another, to do what, what uh, Sonia and Tony and, and Micah were talking about, of, of challenging one another, of holding one another accountable, of encouraging and inspiring one another, of coming alongside, ministering to each other in loss and pain. And this is done, yes, on a larger scale and volunteering, and that's fantastic, but it's far more done on the lesser scene, on the one-on-one, day-to-day interactions, the way we choose to pursue one another, texting one another a word of encouragement, bringing meals to one another, uh, inviting others for meals to our house, doing life together, seeking to genuinely understand how people are doing and moving past the how are you doing, I'm fine, and pretending like everything's okay, but actually pursuing one another. And then pursuing those people, following up and loving on them. And so to wrap up this morning, do we genuinely see ourselves as ministers of the gospel? Do each of us genuinely, as we look upon ourselves, is that what we see ourselves, as ministers of the gospel? Or do we see that as the role of the professional? Do we still live with some ancient pyramid view of the church where the pastor's at the top and everything kind of else falls below that? Or do we see ourselves as being on a bus with the pastor in the front, as Kent Hughes was referring to, and our job is to kind of spectate and be part of, but as we're just driven by somebody else? Because Scripture does not speak of that mentality at all. It shows the job of the body is to build up the body. That is, it describes the work of Christ that he has given to us. And therefore, what is your ministry? What is God calling you to do? What is God speaking to you that your role is in this season as we enter into this new year? What is God speaking to you about doing in this season of your ministry? Who are you supposed to be pouring into, loving on, and encouraging in this season? You know, I know this is some of the areas of one of our, our, our church's greatest strengths is we've had a few people share today. I mean, I could have had so many different people. It's hard just to pick one, two, or three people to share on the subject. There's so many people, this is their strength. Um, but for each of us, what is our thing that God is calling us to? What is the ministry, the work that God is calling us to the season? So I want to finish just with a word of prayer. So would you come up and just pray for us uh, as someone who's been living this out so beautifully? And as she does, be really asking the Lord, what is my role in this season in your work of Christ and my calling to build up the body? Please join me in prayer. Father God, we just come before you, Lord. 
And we just lift up our hearts to you and our hands to you. We offer ourselves to you, Lord. Equip us for your purpose. Equip us to build up this body, Lord. Help us to be here for each other. Help us to bring more lives to you. I just pray for everyone here today and everyone at home for the Holy Spirit to fan that flame, Lord. Build us up for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.